Monday. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, or Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. Plus, we're saving you 15% when you order online. Visit abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW at checkout. Once again, for 15% off your online order, abotanicalcompany.com. Here is my Monday guest, Will Brewer. Happy Monday, along with Will Brewer. I am Colby Daniels. Will, UFC 262 on Saturday night was spectacular, and we have to start with the main event. Finally, the best division in this sport has uh, a champion. Charles Oliveira is the new champ at 155. Man, and what a performance it was. What a fight that was, man. Just... Finally getting a champion uh, at 155, the most talent-rich division in the entire sport, 1 through 25 even. It's it's a loaded division, and finally we have a guy who's holding the title after Khabib uh, retired. So uh, it's a good division, man, and it's just going to get even better with now having a champion. All right, we'll talk about the fight itself first, and then maybe like where these guys go from here. But to see that fight start the way that it did, um, you know, everything I said last week about the stand-up game and feeling like Michael Chandler absolutely had an advantage from that standpoint uh, was true, obviously, until the second round when he didn't. Uh, and and I would have, I would have bet everything. Uh, last week uh, against Michael Chandler getting finished on the feet. I just didn't think that was within the realm of of possibility. Uh, And, you know, that's the way it goes. But that first round was so interesting because we saw Michael Chandler have success on the feet early. He had the big left overhand that, that, that obviously hurt Charles Oliveira. And the next thing you know, like out of nowhere, Oliveira's hurt. And then somehow he's on Michael Chandler's back. And I'll, I'll tell you this. I thought the fight was done at that point. I was like, he got his back. I, I mean, this is worst case scenario if you're Michael Chandler. And somehow he gets out of it, continues to to have success in the stand-up part of this fight. And uh, I'll never understand why guys, when they're standing and having success, decide, first of all, that guillotine works like maybe .00001% of the time. I don't feel like I ever see anybody actually get positive results out of that stand-up guillotine when somebody shoots in and you're having success standing up. So that's the first part. But the second part is after he really, I think, flexed, so to speak, uh, with the stand-up fight at the end of the first round, the fact that he didn't allow Charles to get back up I thought was a massive missed opportunity because I really felt like there was a chance for Michael Chandler to finish this fight in the first round if Charles Oliveira were standing again. Absolutely, man. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Michael Chandler was looking phenomenal on the feet. Um, he was hurting Charles Oliveira. Um, just that whole scramble at, at the very beginning when uh, when Michael Chandler threw in that guillotine, like you said, like not many people really pull that off. It takes like a really high level black belt. Like you see Charles Oliveira and like Dorisio Verdun pull it off, right? But like you know, Michael Chandler, he's good. He'll get he'll get submissions, but he's not a, a, a the black belt level of jujitsu like those type of guys. So. Um, but when he had it locked in, I kind of thought like, no way, he's not going to submit Charles Oliveira, but you could just tell like Charles, you know, he's been there before. And it just, just kind of seemed like it was just all playing into how Charles Oliveira's career has went. Like it had to, he had to face some adversity to win this fight, but it was just a crazy scramble in that first round. But like you said, Michael Chandler let this, uh, stay on the ground for way too long. Um, 
when he was clearly hurting Oliveira on the feet, uh, whenever it was standing, uh, I, I heard uh, either Den Thomas or uh, DC say um, uh, when they were talking about this fight, how, you know, Charles Oliveira wasn't going to back up and that was going to, you know, see how Michael Chandler was going to uh, adjust to that. But Charles Oliveira was backing up in the first round and it was to his detriment because Michael Chandler was catching him. Uh, and, and then he made those adjustments, the proper adjustments in the second round and you see what happened. But, uh, man, in, in that first round, Michael Chandler was this close. Like, if the referee the referee could have stepped in there and stopped that fight because it kind of looked like Charles Oliveira's head was bouncing off the mat. I mean, he was kind of moving his head just enough for the referee to be like, okay, he's still there. Uh, but, man, uh, it man for Charles Oliveira to stay in that fight, man, just it just shows how far he's come. Because there was a time when he first started in this sport where, you know, this fight would have been finished uh, when he faced uh, adversity like that. Yeah, he's he's clearly a different guy than he was. I mean, what when was his last loss? Like 2016 or 2017? I mean, it's been a long time. Right. The guy has this incredible win streak. So when people are referencing some of the deficiencies in his overall game, they're referencing a guy that was fighting five years ago, right? I mean, they're really right. not referencing the same guy. So when I kind of hear that, I'm like, look, a lot of these guys we think are different guys than they were two years ago, you know, three right. or four fights ago, much less eight or nine fights ago. So I thought that was a little bit overplayed last week when, you know, we were building up to this fight. But uh, yeah, I thought that the guillotine, I thought was just a massive mistake because number one, you're talking about Charles Oliveira, who, you know, if anybody is going to find, even if you get a really good lock there, I think if anybody's going to find a way, it's probably Charles Oliveira. But secondly, I, I just don't understand why so many guys that are having stand-up success decide when the other guy shoots in to go for the guillotine and then, like, go all the way with it, like, to the point that they're on the ground with the guillotine. Like, if you can get it standing up, great, but if you're not going to get it standing up, to me, it just seems like the smarter move when you're having that much success standing. If you have to let go, let go, separate, you know, maybe get a shot in on the separation, whatever you need to do, but... I, just, I feel like the percentage of times that actually works in somebody's favor as opposed to, you know, these strikers that are having all the stand-up success usually when this ends up occurring is just so minimal. I, I don't understand that thought process. But, uh, look, the bottom line is the second round starts, and I thought we were very close to witnessing Michael Chandler uh, win the lightweight championship. And, I mean, literally, with the snap of, of your fingers – it's like Charles Oliveira is the champ. He's sprinting out of the octagon. He's talking to Joe Rogan. He's talking to Dana White. He's hugging his people in the crowd. And I'm I'm just sitting there so stunned to watch that fight do the <laughs> massive 180 that it did. And look, if you are a fan of this sport, I don't know how you, regardless of your rooting interest in this fight, I don't know how you couldn't have been happy for Charles Oliveira in that moment. A guy that has been in the UFC forever. By the way, he's only 31 which is mind-blowing to think. Like, he's in his prime now, uh, but the guy has more submissions in UFC history than anyone, not just in his weight, than anyone. And he's only 31, and for him to have the ups and downs and really be celebrating in that moment when literally, like, two seconds before, you didn't even think he was really in the fight. Like, you felt like Michael Chandler was this close to putting the thing away. Um, what a result. What a turnaround. It was, it was just mind-blowing. Like, I kept using the mind-blown emoji, like, repeat, 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 repeat. Absolutely, man. This fight was insane. Uh, man, you know, we make our picks, and, uh, you know, I was, I had Charles Oliveira, but when when Michael Chandler was in his guard and was just kind of laying there, I'm 
like to coach Michael Chad, like let him up. Like, what are you doing? Let him up. Like you got, you have the advantage on the feet. Like, like that just goes to show like both of these guys, like it's hard not to like either one of these guys. Right. And I remember uh, texting you, man. Uh, when I saw the ages, like Charles Oliveira is 31 years old. Like that is insane to me because yeah. I remember a few weeks ago, you asked me like, um, how old was, uh, did I think Uriah Hall and Chris Weidman was? And I was like, ah, yeah, you know, that's probably like 35, 36. Like, if you would have asked me how old I thought Charles Oliveira was, I definitely would have said, like, oh, he's about 35, 36. Like, no, Charles Oliveira is 31 years old. He's got, he's been in the UFC since he was 21 years old. Uh, and he's been through it all, man. And he's went through it at a young age. So when he gets into these championship fights, like he's in, like he's going in now, you know, he's been there, done that. He's seen that. He's been through it all, and uh, it, it showed in this fight. Man, in the second round, Charles Oliveira did a great job, man. He just – he was backing up in the first round and let Michael Chandler get comfortable. Uh, he, in the second round, he kind of just took the fight to him. He started throwing leg kicks, push kicks, and uh, he, was, he took the center of the octagon, and he was like, okay, I'm not backing up anymore. I'm taking the fight to you. And then he landed a, a really beautiful, perfectly timed left hook that, uh, that stunned Michael Chandler. And then uh, ended up getting the finish, man. Uh, for Charles Oliveira to win the world title with on his feet, not not with his mission, but to do it with strikes, that just shows like how far Charles Oliveira has come, how much he has evolved in uh, in this time, man. Throughout this eight fight winning streak or nine fight winning streak, his evolution it's incredible. He definitely deserves to be champion. Absolutely, the evolution is incredible. I thought the one thing that Joe Rogan kept repeating during the broadcast that really stuck with me was how he talked about Charles Oliveira and the precision and the execution, right? Like, he's like, this guy's just so technically sound. He doesn't miss. He just, he executes with precision. And, and that's what you saw with that that shot, right? I mean, he hit him on the button with that left. And, uh, you know, obviously from that point on, everything else was um, just him, you know, following up. But that that left that, that got him right on the button was just, I mean, you don't have to be a knockout king, when you hit the button, right? Absolutely. When when you hit a, a guy right on the button, a shot that he doesn't see coming, just beautifully timed, it doesn't matter. Those Like DC always says, it's those shots that you don't see coming that hurt you the worst. And that shot hurt Michael Chandler. You know, for his whole career, Charles Oliveira hasn't been, uh, you know, the knockout guy. He's always been the submission guy. You don't want to go to the ground with, with Charles Oliveira. But now, you know, he's showing that he can get knockouts. Like, he's He's piecing up Kevin Lee. He's piecing up Tony Ferguson. You know, uh, he's piecing up Michael Chandler. You're getting knockouts. So, man, Charles Oliveira, he's evolved so much, man. Uh, it, it's just crazy to see. Like, I feel like this is just a tale of two different people almost. Like, there's, like, the black-haired Charles Oliveira. Absolutely. And now there's the blonde-haired Charles Oliveira. Who's just his world beater, and now he's who's the world champion. It's it's crazy. I'm just so – I was so happy for him. I mean, either, either way that, that this fight would have went, you just yeah. had to be – happy for the guy because both of these guys have been through so much in their careers by the way i gotta mention something about dc and rogan uh and i love them i, I that broadcast crew is just phenomenal every single time they are great but i swear to you every submission attempt ever has been <laughs> referred to as in tight and very close to finishing the fight every time if i mean if you get your arm around somebody's neck it's in very tight and we might be close to an end Every single time. It just cracks me. I'm like, no, come on. Not, no. But every time right. it happens, they're like, uh-oh, this one's in tight. This might be the end. We're getting close. 
every time right, it yeah, cracks yeah. it cracks me up like it's literally become one of those things that i like i i kind of laugh about now and, and you kind of got to believe them because they're right there on the right side. right and but but then like you know charles Oliver and these guys they'll get out and you're like oh i guess it wasn't uh as locked in as, as we thought but yeah like you said every time it's locked in you hear dc oh that's tight oh that's tight oh that's <laughs> man and and then they end up getting out you're like ah come on dc but yeah but yeah, man, like you said, those those three, Anik, DC, Rogan, like, there's no one better in in the sport, man. Like, listening to those guys, yeah. I could do it at every single pay per view card of any MMA fight because the the way they break break it down, um, outside of you know how tight the submissions are, the way they break down these fights is it's like top of the line, yeah. like all of these guys man it's, it's great it's great stuff without a doubt uh what's next for charles Oliveira? he is now the champ um i'll tell you this first i felt like we watched two championship caliber guys at 155 competing on on saturday night you could maybe make the argument a third competed on saturday night as well if and we'll get to that fight in a second but um I don't necessarily think any less of Michael Chandler after that fight. I thought we witnessed two guys that are absolutely capable of holding that belt in, once again, what I think is the toughest division in the sport. So um, where do you think they go? I think clearly um, Dana White's kind of leaning towards uh, the winner of Connor and Dustin. Uh, whoever wins that fight is probably going to you know, get that next title shot because – you know, Connor and Dustin, a fight with those two guys, you know it's going to be exciting. You know that uh, the winner is going to have a lot of publicity, a lot of fans behind them. Uh, and I feel like a guy like Charles Oliveira who wins, the, who wins the title, he needs a guy like a Dustin, like a Connor in his first title defense to either show like he's that guy uh, moving forward or uh, Connor and Dustin, it's their time again. So uh, I think um, the clear way to go is uh, – is McGregor or Poirier the winner? But I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad if they said, "Hey, Justin Gaethje, he was the former interim champion. Yeah, you know he's kind of been waiting in the wings. You know, you know something happens, we'll give it to Justin Gaethje." So I kind of feel like it'll be Gaethje or uh, McGregor Poirier. Um, probably leaning more towards McGregor or Poirier. For me, I think this points toward the Poirier McGregor winner. Uh, and notice the order that I said that in. Uh, by the way. <laughs> Um, but the Poirier McGregor winner, right? I, unless this becomes like a Leon Edwards, Bilal, eye poke situation, or, you know, you have some sort of controversy or like the other thing, maybe it's like this five round war, uh, where both guys are going to maybe need like extended time. And then you go in a different direction. I just don't see a way that you don't capitalize on the momentum for the winner of that fight. Either way it goes. You know, because I think most people felt like before Saturday night, Dustin was the unofficial champion at 155 anyway. So, um, if it's Dustin, then there you go. He's beaten Conor McGregor twice this year. And now, you you know, that will gain a lot of traction with, you know, the fan, the fans, the hardcore fans, the casual fans. Like, everybody, I think, already really appreciates Dustin Poirier more after the McGregor win in January. This will just kind of punctuate that. If Conor McGregor wins, then it's just McGregor is back as usual. He's already sent the, like, he's already kind of set the table with Charles Oliveira and the tweets on Saturday night for that to be the case if if McGregor does get this done. So, to me, unless there is one of those weird situations uh, when they fight, that's the no-brainer way to go. And I'm guessing Gaethje will be there in case something happens to be the next guy, but otherwise... 
I think we still get the fight that we talked about several months ago, which is Gaethje Chandler. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. And how crazy is this sport, man? Because you got Conor McGregor, the biggest superstar in the sport, calling out Charles Oliveira. I would have bet some money that I'm not sure that Conor McGregor knew who Charles Oliveira was about a year and a half ago. Oh, 100%. Because, <laughs> and now Charles Oliveira is the champion, and now Conor McGregor is calling him out. Like, this sport is so crazy, man. But, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see uh, the Poirier McGregor winner getting the title shot. I think that's the the clear way to go um, because, you know, the, that pay-per-view, I mean, we know how much it's going to sell. All the people, all the fans, casuals, hardcores are going to be following whoever wins that, that fight and then uh, just throw them in there with Charles Oliveira. And both of those matchups stylistically are very, very fun matchups. Very fun matchups, but I'll say this, and, and maybe I'm alone here. To me, the Oliveira-McGregor matchup is just... 1,000% problematic for Connor. Like, I just don't see where that's a really good stylistic matchup for him. I think he's on, in a lot of trouble if he faces Charles Oliveira. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, but, um, man, seeing how Michael Chandler was kind of tagging him uh, and he was almost out of there, it, it only takes one good left from Connor to get him out of there. So, that's fair. Um, I mean, while, while if this fight goes into deep waters, it's very problematic for Connor. Um, in that first round, when Connor's at his most dangerous, it's it's uh, as equally problematic for Charles Oliveira, yeah. in my opinion. Well, look, I, I think in the first two minutes of a fight, Connor McGregor could beat anybody. Uh, right. But the massive difference is, you know, when we saw Oliveira take Michael Chandler's back, that fight's over if that's Connor McGregor and not Michael Chandler. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, so, I, you know, I, I think there is danger when the bell rings for anybody that's on the opposite side of Connor McGregor, but. If it ever goes to the ground, I, I think, you know, he. We, we've just seen where, I mean, there's just a massive difference in the skills once it gets to that point of the fight. Yeah, there's a glaring hole because, you know, Nate Diaz is as good as it gets on the ground. But when, you get, when you're getting on the ground with Charles Oliveira, there's just like a, a different type of, yeah. it's a different something when Charles yeah. is on the ground with you. It's just, it's just a matter of time. You know, it, you know, when he had Michael Chandler's back, you know, I just thought, yep. It's just a matter of time. You know, he's going to get there. But, you know, credit to Michael Chandler for uh, staying composed and getting out of there, getting out of that situation. But, yeah, Conor McGregor is very uh, less skilled on the ground than Michael Chandler. So, yeah, I definitely see what you're saying there. Michael Chandler even said after the fight, uh, he was like, yeah, I let him have my back. And he goes, looking back on that, I think that was probably pretty stupid. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're just talking about Charles Oliveira here. You know, it's like, yeah, giving him your back isn't isn't probably the best. But look, he got out like how also I just gotta mention this. The slam was like right. holy cow. Now, okay, now when he slammed him, I said I was like, Oh, that's a desperate attempt to get away. Like, uh I'm not sure what that slam meant, but yeah, um when he slammed him, I was like, Okay, yeah, Charles Oliveira is definitely about to finish this. But, you know, he definitely just got out of it, man. Yeah. Michael Chandler, he was desperate to get out of there, and he did it. Yeah. Good on him, man. Showed a lot of skills. Without a doubt. All right, the co-main event was Tony Ferguson, a fan favorite. I mean, you saw it at the press conference and the weigh-ins and the intro. Like, everybody loves Tony Ferguson. How can you not? The guy is a legend of the sport. Uh, Benil Dariush on the other side. This was one that stylistically we thought was going to be 
just unbelievable. Uh, a lot of people really disappointed, Will, in this fight and the way that it went. Um, and, and I totally understand the frustration if you're somebody that, you know, we talked about it last week. Like, how can this fight not be great when you look at the skill sets of these two guys and how they match up? But once, you know, we, we really saw a completely different version of Darius than we've ever seen, right? We saw him really fight the smart fight and not get caught up in getting into the war and, you know, putting himself at risk to land the bigger shots. Um, I thought it was a, an incredibly smart fight from Benil Darius. It shows another level to his game. It shows that he's really developing on the mental side of this thing because it was obvious to anybody watching the fight. Tony Ferguson had absolutely no answer when the fight went to the ground. Yeah, and it's it's next level. It's it's championship level stuff from Benil Darius, man. Uh, the way that he controlled it on the ground, he knew exactly when to uh, take it to the ground. He let Tony Ferguson think like this is going to be a stand up war. I'm going to throw these these uh, these fight ending shots at you, but right when you uh, think that you're uh, getting kind of comfortable with it, I'm going to take you down. So um, very very smart on Darius to uh, just completely go away from the wars that he's been in. Like his last two or three fights, they've all been wars, and that's why we just expected this one to be a war because Tony Ferguson loves a good war. So um, Benil just completely just threw a curveball at him. And, um, you know, it kind of just showed, man, like uh, Tony Ferguson, his takedown defense, it's not that, you know, it's not that great, man. Uh, he was uh, able to get taken down by by Oliveira, by uh, Darius, and, and get controlled at that. And, uh, you know, Tony Ferguson never, was, never, was never able to get started um, with his strikes. You know, when he gets grooving, when he does all that unorthodox stuff, He's very he's very tough to beat, but when he never gets started, you know he kind of just he's kind of just there, and uh, yeah, he didn't he didn't have an answer for Darius um, with his takedowns, and it was just kind of it's kind of sad to see, man, a fighter who was so dominant, right, uh, for twelve for twelve straight fights, and then just to uh, have that fight with with Gaethje and then uh, with Oliveira and now uh, Darius is it's kind of similar to what uh, we saw with Woodley how he's just losing like round after round after round. And you just start to wonder like, what's, you know, what's next for him? Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's tough to see, man, but uh, Darius definitely looked good. He fought the smart fight and curious to see what's going to be next for him. Yeah. And to, to me, it wasn't even just the takedown defense, which, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, every attempt I think was successful, but it's the fact that once it gets there, there's not really any resistance whatsoever. You know, I feel like at one point in time, like if you got Tony Ferguson on the ground, somehow he's going to wiggle out of something or contort his body in a way. And next thing you know, like he's got a submission attempt on you or, you know, that's, that's just, we've always seen Tony kind of rally from whatever position he was facing, whether he's standing up or on the ground or like no matter where he's at in the octagon, it always felt like, there was like a, a you know, a, a maneuver that Tony Ferguson had up his sleeve. And, you know, in these last two fights, especially on the ground, it doesn't feel like that's the case. It, it just kind of felt like once he got there, he was stuck and there was just nowhere for him to go, which I think is, is the first thing that's troublesome. But look, I, I thought that before the fight ever went to the ground the first time, Darius was winning the exchanges on the feet. And I know it wasn't for a very long period of time, so it's very easy to maybe take too much from that. But I didn't feel like Tony looked quick. I didn't feel like Tony looked powerful. I felt like Tony just just in some ways felt like a much different version of the guy that was on one of the greatest win streaks we've ever seen in the sport. And, you know, we talked about this a while back. 
when when you take the amount of punishment that he took against Justin Gaethje, for some guys, like you just never come back as the exact same guy. Now that doesn't mean that you can't come back being successful, but sometimes when when a fight of that amount of violence happens, like you change as a fighter in some way. And I don't know if, you know, Tony's just looking for the answers to the changes or what the situation is. Obviously, you know, age is a factor here. Uh, you know, we're not talking about a guy that's in the prime years of his career either. So I don't know what the answer is. I hope this is not the last time we've seen Tony Ferguson. But, you know, the war with Gaethje has led now to two fights against guys that, you know, old Tony Ferguson, we feel like would have beat. And not only did he lose those fights, but he lost them in in pretty dominating fashion. Yeah, you know, it kind of seems to me that um, after the fight with Gaethje, he's kind of worried about getting hit. You know, he got hit so much in that Gaethje fight. Um, he's he's on his heels a lot more, especially in this last fight. Darius was throwing a lot at him. And, you know, normally Tony's just, he's still moving forward no matter what. You know, they call him the El Kukui, you know, right. boogeyman, you know. He's still moving forward no matter what. Like, even though Gaethje was tagging him with some incredible shots, he was still moving forward. It seems like now he's on his heels just uh, a lot more. Uh, Darius just was throwing haymakers at him, and Tony was just really, you know, he was evading him, trying to get out of the way. But uh definitely seemed like Darius had the advantage, but Tony just didn't seem like himself. He wasn't moving forward on his heels. Um, I think uh, maybe that was uh, a part of like maybe the game plan to try not to get hit so much, but I think that's taken away from what uh, we've seen for a long long time from Tony Uh, moving forward, um, just uh, imposing his will on people. And, you know, we haven't seen that in his last two fights. Uh, He's just in there surviving. And, you know, just like when he's locked in that submission, you know, that's, that's just a crazy visual, just seeing the pain on his face. And then just seeing like how he just wanted to tap, but you know it was kind of like in WWE when he when someone's locked in the submission and they're like, ah, I'm not gonna tap. But, then they you know, shake their head, Tony, no. They're like, yeah, no. yeah, like no, no, I'm yeah. good. But yeah, t- Tony's just like, ah, like he's thinking, he's literally thinking about tapping. And he's just like, no, I'm just gonna gut it out. And yeah. you know, he's shown toughness in all these fights. Like, right, the, he's still the, one of the, the toughest dudes in the sport. Yeah, the the the, the beating he took from Gaethje and still just coming forward. Uh, how Oliveira had his arm trapped in the arm bar and how it looked like it was about to break. And then Darius had him in that in that heel hook. And how Tony was just yeah. in agonizing pain. Just like Tony's showing next level toughness. Just, uh, man, I don't know where he goes from here, man. Yeah. I mean, I guess you, I guess you have to go down uh, to the bottom of the division. But, like, even those guys are killers, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing about this division. that You know, there are some divisions where maybe that works. I don't 155. I don't feel like is one of those divisions. I mean, if if we start to see the decline, and you start looking at the list of dudes as far as who's next, there's not a break anywhere. Uh, right. I mean, that division is loaded with killers. I mean, we just Benil Dariush is a guy that's been waiting for his turn to get you know a top tier guy for a long time, uh, and there are a bunch of other dudes. I think Dariush even mentioned in his post fight press conference uh, something about Islam being another guy that deserves one of those top tier opponents. I mean. I, this this division is nasty, and I, I don't know where Tony Ferguson goes. Um, this was a big reason why I, I kind of felt like the next fight for them, if they didn't decide to go the with the Connor Poirier uh, trilogy fight, was Connor Tony to you know allow 
both of those guys who were coming off of losses at that point to have like that, that one, you know, regardless of which way the fight went, but stylistically it made sense for both guys to kind of fight their fight a little bit more. And it also kind of gave both guys again, regardless of the outcome, at least that one final, like massive pay-per-view draw. I I don't necessarily think Tony Ferguson's in that boat. Now. I, I don't know that he's, is he a main event at his next fight? I, I, uh man uh I, man I don't, I don't know i don't know if they even give him a top 15 guy in his next fight i feel like they'll have to give him someone uh below that but then when you look at it like, like we we're talking about like we're talking about drew dover and alex hernandez and like you know i know tiago moises is fighting islam but yeah. we're talking about these guys who are killers at the bottom of the division so i mean i, I think tony's still got some fight in him he obviously does he just has to get back on his um, being active, you know, he's, yeah. he's, la- he's not landed many strikes in these last few fights. 30. And he's, well, he's landed 30 strikes. I heard this in the post fight press conference. He's landed 30 strikes in his last two fights. And normally he'll, he'll get, he'll hit 30 strikes at like a minute and a half. Right. right. Tony, he's a guy that has a lot of output. Like he's on the, um, like with, with, with Max and Kobe and like tomorrow, yeah. those type of guys who has, who have just crazy output. For a long time, Tony was was that guy, and now to see him just like thirty strikes, you know, fifteen strikes, whatever the case is, like it's just crazy to see, man. Yeah, I'm not saying he can't be the same guy, but we're not watching the same guy these last two fights. Right? Like we're not watching the same guy. Maybe he'll get back there again. Uh, maybe the next time we see him fight, it's uh, you know he's corrected the issues, but um, it, you know it's it's not the Tony Ferguson that we felt like you know, had an opportunity to be the champion in this weight class. And, you know, time catches up with everybody. I hope that's not the case. You did mention the Alex Hernandez name. I That, that fight actually makes a lot of sense. I, I actually like that, that matchup a lot for Tony and Alex, for that matter. Yeah, that fight would be great for Tony. Uh, I feel like Alex is a guy who will bring it. Um, and I feel like it would be a mostly stand-up fight unless um, Tony or one of these guys wants to take it to the ground. But I feel like for the most part, both these guys like to strike. Uh, Tony struggled with wrestlers, but uh, Alex is a guy who, who will be in the center of the octagon and who will want to fight him. So, um, yeah, I like that fight for both guys. Uh, that's a fight for Tony to get back on track and yeah. the fight for Alex to move up into the upper echelon of the division. I'll tell you what this also does. This completely kills any hope of ever seeing Islam versus Tony and having Habib obviously in that corner and just getting the trash talk and, like, we're never going to see that. I mean, after seeing what's happened on the ground the last two times with Tony, to to think that he's going to be matched up with the very best in that division, um, I, I I just don't see that ever happening. I mean, I guess if he rallies and wins a couple fights and kind of gets back in in you know prime time position, uh, we do. But I think you can you can probably kiss that one goodbye. Yeah, absolutely. They're on two completely different paths right now. You know, Islam is just moving straight up. Nobody wants to fight him. And, uh, you know, Tony's just, you know, on a three-fight skid now, man. It's it's crazy to even say that. Um, you know, even in the press conference, he still has Khabib's name in his mouth, man. Just yeah. um, at the even at the mention of Khabib, he's like, fuck Khabib, he's a bitch, all this stuff, yeah. man. I mean, that's just a fight that everyone just wanted to see. We were so close to getting it on so many different so occasions. So many man. times, man. I Like, I get the frustration from him. Like, I, I understand right. it. Uh, I mean, to, to go on the run that he went on and to be at, at the top of your game and be robbed of that many opportunities, it, it sucks. Yeah, it's crazy to say that Tony Ferguson's never fought for the undisputed title, man. 
Right. Uh, he's been interim champion, fought for the interim title and everything. But for for a guy like Tony, who was on a 12-fight winning streak, to never get that undisputed title fight, man, it's, that's a that's a travesty in my view. Uh, just uh, a series of, of just real bad luck for him. Um, and now he's at a point where he's on a three-fight skid, and it's going to be um, a massive, massive mountain to climb for him to get back. What do you want to see for Benil Dariush? Man, uh, I definitely want to see someone uh, in the top five um, or someone who's like I would I would definitely like to see him fight uh, RDA. Uh, I think RDA's top five it might be six, but um, Benil and RDA would be fun. Um, Benil and Gaethje, uh that would be a fun fight. Uh, even if he fights maybe the loser of, of Poirier McGregor. Uh, that would be a fun fight as well. So I think there's a lot of options for for Benil. Uh, he's right up there uh, at the top of the division now, man. Uh, he needs a, a top five guy. Yeah, I, I I'm a big fan of Darius. I, I you know when you add the ground game to just the willingness to stand in the fire and throw with anybody, like I, I he's just he's so much fun to watch. Uh, in that division, I, I think you're right. I think he deserves a top five guy. I don't know what that name is. Uh, Oliver is obviously going to be the champ. I would imagine that he's going to get, poor, I mean, one of Poirier, Gaethje, or McGregor next. I can't imagine there's any other options there. If it's not Gaethje, to me, the obvious answer would be Gaethje and Chandler. Um, I don't know if maybe, I mean, the good thing about Michael Chandler is he's, he's literally fought nobody in this division, so... If you want to hold back on that one, you can. And maybe it's, I mean, I think Darius Gaethje would be fantastic. Um, I think Darius Chandler would be fantastic. Um, I don't really see uh, Darius McGregor. To, I mean, I just, I don't know. That, that fight to me just doesn't seem like it would make a ton of sense, just given the names that right now are in this top five. But, um, and, and look, for RDA, I think RDA is kind of in the same position as Darius, where he's looking for somebody ahead of him, not you know, this guy that's that's coming up from behind because he's, you know, he's also evaluating this as making one last run, I think, at the title. So it's really interesting. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I maybe maybe it's Chandler. Yeah, maybe maybe it's Chandler. Uh, I definitely think um, RDA is in there, too. But um, I think Chandler being the guy who really wants to get back in there after a loss, uh, for the title after he was so close, you know, he'll want to get back in there against the highest ranked guy that he can, they can find. Right. So, uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll be calling out Darius. He'll be calling out Gaethje, uh, whichever guy, um, says yes. Yeah. All right. Um, we're just going to hit one more fight today. Uh, as far as that main card, um, we, we both had Caitlin Chukagian over, um, Arujo. That was a closer fight than most people thought, but, uh, Chukagian gets it done. Uh, we both had Matt Schnell over, uh, Rogerio Bontarin, and, uh, we were wrong on that one. And then to start this card, uh, we had another, I mean, we knew this was going to be a great fight. Edson Barboza, Shane Burgos, 1000% delivered what we thought it was going to be. I mean, that was exactly the fight I thought it was going to be. Um, other than maybe the finish, because I had Burgos winning. <laughs> I have never in my entire MMA fandom seen somebody take a punch and get knocked out like 10 or 15 seconds later, however long it was when, you know, the, the punch finally had its impact. Man, I yeah. I've been watching this sport for uh, about 10, 11, 12 years, something like that, man. 
Of all the fights, all the knockouts that I've seen, I've never seen a knockout like that. I mean, he 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 punched him, and then everything was good, and then just like you just see his legs go out, you see his eyes get kind of big, and then it's like he starts going falling backwards and going down, and then just it was just so scary. It's like he was kind of shaking a little bit at the uh, at the end. Uh, it, it was it was so scary, man. Um, I'm glad that he's okay, but that was that was some scary shit. There's there's been a few times where I've been just like legitimately just scared for someone. Right. And I was definitely scared for Burgos uh, after that. Well, yeah, to see somebody, yeah, to see somebody's body, like not on contact, <laughs> but like later just be like, yeah. okay, time to shut down. Like, we're, <laughs> and like, he looks like, he kind of looks surprised. Like he was ready to fight. And then all of a sudden, like, it was just like the body was going through shutdown mode and he didn't really know what to do. And all of a sudden, you know, he's trying to keep his balance and he's falling backwards. And then next thing you know, you kind of like see him like kind of the eyes rolling a little bit. And it's like, uh, Oh, this is, this is scary. And I think Dana even said after, uh, after the card was over that they sent him to the hospital immediately, despite Shane Burgos claiming that he was completely okay. So uh, yeah, that kind of delayed uh, reaction to me was, was definitely scary. Yeah, it, it was so scary, man, because, like we said, we've never seen anything like that. Even Joe Rogan said he's never seen anything like that, and he's been watching this sport for decades, man. Uh, crazy to see something like that, but, man, that fight, for uh, as long as it lasted, it was incredible. Uh, Barbosa opening up with those nasty leg kicks and just Burgos just firing back. You know, It just seemed like, what else can you throw at Burgos? That's yeah. kind of what I was thinking. Like, what else can you throw at him? And then uh, that was why I picked him. I just thought like this guy's not going to get stopped. Like I, I just believe that he wasn't going to get stopped. Maybe he would get a stop the other way, but like I felt like Shane Burgos was at least going to see the end of that fight. That was my my thought process. And it, it took uh, Burgos's body to shut down on him for for it to for Barbosa to get him out of there. It is, yeah, it's crazy to even say, man. But that fight was so fun while it lasted, man. Uh, Barbosa definitely looks like he's a player at 145. Um, you know, that division is just getting more and more loaded by the by the day. That I feel like every week we're talking about a new featherweight contender, and uh, with Barbosa beating the number nine uh, ranked guy, he's going to be one someone ranked uh, in that top seven, uh, top six. So uh, I think he did, I think he's earned it. You know, I, he lost to Dan Ige in a very close decision. I thought he won that fight. He's looked very very good at 145 and. Man, we'll see what's next for him. I think both of these guys want a top five guy in this division. Again, we've talked all about this division and and just some of the issues with uh, you know the guys that are ranked at the top. So it's a little bit of a cluster. But what about Edson Barboza, Giga Chikadze? Oh man, sign me up for that. That's one. the fight. That's, that's it. That is the fight, man. Uh, I think. Oh. Man, if they are, if they're able to book that fight, man, that could be a main event of a fight night, or just it might not even need five rounds. Just give, just put it on a, a big card, like because it, it probably won't even go past yeah. the first or second round with how uh, these guys have been looking lately. So uh, sign me up for that one for sure. I've not seen the latest. I don't even know if the latest rankings are out yet, but last week's rankings, uh, Giga was ten, uh, Barboza was thirteen. So. Again, I know both guys after those performances probably expect a massive bump. Uh, but again, I mean, Yair is ranked number three. Uh, Korean Zombie is, uh, I think, booked for Ige, right? Um, right? I don't. I still don't know 
the timeline on on Josh Emmett. I guess they finally took Zabit out of the top fifteen in that weight class. Um, wow. After you know he hadn't fought in forever, uh, and then you you know another guy that's there is Arnold Allen, who's on a pretty impressive streak. So, man, just as you were reading off those names, imagine if they did Yair Rodriguez and Edson Barboza, or Yair Rodriguez and Giga Chikatse, like. Oh, just striking wars, man. Yeah. Fun, fun matches in those divisions. Barboza looks like a problem. Absolutely. He definitely looks like a problem. I mean, he was a problem at lightweight. And yeah. And I think yeah. Uh, those guys just was getting like Gaethje too, was too big for him. Poirier, all those guys, they were just kind of getting a little too big for him. And now he's moving down to 145 and he's handling the weight cut uh, perfectly, man. Uh, he doesn't look too sucked out. He looks exactly the same that he did at 155 to me yeah uh still it's the same type of shredded uh it doesn't seem like it's taking a an effect on his performance at all uh he's still moving forward he the took big shots from five. burgos yeah definitely yeah. took big shots from burgos and uh was still uh kept on coming man so uh still has the same pop in his leg kick so uh yeah Barbosa is definitely a player at 145 no doubt. All right, we will do headlines and our picks for the next fight card, which is the uh, Cody Garbrandt, Rob Font headliner. So we will do that on Thursday. Um, real quick before I let you run, I got to hit the end of the Oklahoma City Thunder season. Will, they spent two months perfecting the art of the tank, right? Like nobody has ever tanked better than the Oklahoma City Thunder have in these final 25 games. I heard the stat over the weekend. In the Thunder's last 25 games, their their scoring differential is like minus 450 points. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is the greatest point differential in any 25-game stretch of NBA history. Nobody in the history of the league can pick a 25-game stretch and have a <laughs> larger point differential than the Oklahoma City Thunder have had. And so when you decide, basically, we're not going to play the good players, we're going we're gonna to shut the lights out, lock the doors, and we're just going to lose the rest of the way. To win on the final day of the season and lose percentage points in the lottery, Will, what the hell was happening? What are you doing? Man, to, to be quite honest with you, man, I don't know if it was more of the Oklahoma City Thunder winning that game than it was the, the Clippers just really, really wanting to lose that game because of uh, the, the, the playoff standings, man, because I think they really wanted to avoid the Lakers as long as they could for sure. until the, the Western Conference Finals. I feel like the Thunder really did not want to win that game by any stretch of the imagination. They did not win, want to win that game, but I think the Clippers wanted to lose that game just that much more than the, than the Thunder wanted to lose that game that day. Well, then we really need to evaluate who is sending out the messages in Thunder Camp because there's no reason that the other team should want to lose more than you when you've basically been doing yeah. this for two months, and this is the last piece. This is the final piece of the puzzle to position yourself to really hit a home run in the NBA draft. And look, for all we know, they could still get the number one pick. I think the worst they could do is eight, which would be a catastrophe. If the Thunder get the eighth pick, it's right. a catastrophe, considering yeah. basically cashing in this season the way that they did. Uh, but look, nothing is guaranteed. My whole thing is they went all in on this deal, so maximize your chances as far as the odds go. And, you know, they with that loss, they they lost, what, seven or eight, I think, percentage points on right. odds to land a better pick. So, um, yeah, nothing's guaranteed, but that, that was a failure to maximize your odds. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was a failure to maximize your odds. The, I mean, the Clippers came out there. They definitely wanted to lose, but 
if you're if you're the Thunder, and we you definitely want a top what three five pick. It doesn't matter. You just want one of those top picks, and you want to maximize your opportunity to get those. And unfortunately, um, on the last <laughs> on the last day of the season, the Thunder win a game after losing twenty five yeah. in a row. It's it's uh, yeah. We were right there. They're right there. Right there. You you just basically told everybody like, don't show up anymore. We're done. The season's over, <laughs> so that we can get a better draft pick. And then on the very last day, it's like, you know what? Screw all of this tanking we've been doing. Let's just pull one out. Yeah, let's just let's just pull one out for the one one last time, one last oh. game here in the Chesapeake Energy Arena. You know, they're getting they're getting a new uh, name next year, so. Maybe that was just for the last game for in the Chesapeake. <laughs> oh, absolutely brutal. All right, my friend, uh, we will catch up again on Thursday for uh, UFC Fight Night picks. By the way, update on the scoreboard. Uh, you had one point for Edson Barboza, one point for Caitlin Chukagian. I had one point for Chukagian as well, one point for Benil Dariush. And then you get, once again, a whopping three points in the main event with Charles Oliveira over Michael Chandler. So your lead extends currently on the scoreboard. Will Brewer, 60. Colby Daniels, 51. So flexing with the nine-point lead going into this Thursday. Now, 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 Colby, you're not taking on me now, are you? You never know. You never know. <laughs> I'm not going to reveal my game plan. <laughs> Charles Oliveira got it done for me, man. Hey, with the finish. Now, I was feeling pretty confident. Uh, as the days was leading towards the fight. But I, I thought about texting you on Saturday and being like, you know what? I'm so confident that I'm predicting that Oliveira finished. But if you oh, remember, yeah, if you remember the last time I did that with Stipe and Francis, it came back to bite me in the ass yeah. very, very bad. Yeah. So I did not send out the text and uh, Oliveira won. So. I would have taken that bet too. I told, <laughs> I told you. This was probably this was like the Amanda Hebos fight, and that's exactly the way it played out. You have a round of like your person, you feel like the fight's going exactly the way they want it to go, and then literally the next <laughs> round it does a one eighty, and you're like, "What the hell happened?" You don't even have any uh, opportunity to be like, "Okay, this fight's kind of turning." Uh, and yeah, it just turns. Favor. Like it just turns. Yeah, it's <laughs> not like a gradual like, "Uh oh, we're starting to see the tide shift." It was literally like, and it's over. Okay. Yeah, left hand, and then it's just yeah, a wrap, and it's and over. And then we got a new champ, Charlie Olives. My guy. There you go. There we go. New champ at 155. All right, my friend. Always appreciate you. All right, my brother. Have a good one. Thanks to Will Brewer for joining me on the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, or Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. And we're saving you 15% when you order online. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW at checkout when you visit abotanicalcompany.com for 15% off. That Once again, that is abotanicalcompany.com. Discount code COLBYSHOW for 15% off your online order with Artisan Botanicals. Everybody stay safe, have a great day, and I will see you tomorrow.
the podcast is over.